0: Hey, everybody. It's a podcast extra. Pastor Phil and Megan here. And uh, I believe that we're going to release this on Saturday. So you're not going to get a bedtime benediction on Saturday. You're going to get this instead. Mm -hmm. And I hope that you're not too disappointed. Mm -hmm. So a while back, we asked for some some thoughts from y'all about what you'd like to hear us talk about. We got all sorts of responses. And one of them was just seminary. And number one, that sounds pretty boring to me. I don't know why anyone would just want to hear me talk about seminary. <laughs> but what sounds more interesting to me is to hear Megan talk about her experience in seminary because, um, let's face it, being a woman in seminary is not what people generally think of being the case. Yeah, right. it's
1: true. That's true. It's actually funny because as you said that, you were like, now I think seminary sounds like a boring topic and not like something that I would want to talk about at all. And in my brain, I was thinking, oh, this is a really good topic. There are so many people that want to be able to talk about this.
0: So we're already seeing the differences yes, here. Yes,
1: exactly. Like you're like, mm-hmm. I don't need to talk about seminary. That's like super yeah. boring and what's special about that? And I'm like, oh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: know lots of people that would love to talk about right." so <laughs>
0: as a man in my mind for me to <laughs> go to seminary to experience seminary to, and then thus, thus subsequently to talk about seminary seems utterly mundane um I, I gotta I gotta put a caveat there I mean of course I love seminary <laughs> and I'm called to it and it's a, a high and a holy calling to be a pastor oh
1: deeply love shepherding souls yeah I'm, I'm just love saying why would anyone
0: want to hear me talk about my seminary experience in general agreed <laughs> okay. so we're agreed there. Okay. And, but,
1: you know, I mean, you still help seminarians. I mean, like, you're in the world. You mm-hmm. are in the world. Yeah. Right. You I, love seminary. Yeah.
0: I actually work part-time for a seminary. and But, however, when you hear the topic, <laughs> it's a whole different experience uh-huh. because you have not grown up with the assumption that, of course, you could go to seminary. Yep. So <laughs> talk about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, for you, talking about seminary sounds like a box of cornflakes. For me, it's a box of Cracklin' oat bran.
0: Cracklin' Oat amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I am to Cracklin' Oat Brand what Ben Wyatt is to Calzones. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know that reference, you need to watch Parks and Rec. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good stuff. Anyway. Okay. What did you ask me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I said, talk about it. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, didn't, you need I didn't ask a good are you, question. Are you
1: <laughs> have you studied being an interviewer deeply? Because that was a great question. Was it? <laughs> no. Okay. Talk about
0: it. Talk about it. No, okay. discuss your, before seminary, Why I you had a little, go. I imagine you had a little inkling. Yeah. You're like, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Did it get squashed? <laughs> Yes. Okay. Many times. Talk to us about your journey.
1: So, I mean, I would say that I. So, I very quick story. I got saved in high school and then went on to college. Got very passionate about ministry right away. Was really involved with ministry leadership, especially through InterVarsity and Summit Church. Um, InterVarsity was just a open season. Like I was just I went wild like I could do absolutely anything in ministry and it was amazing you know I, I led people I taught people I you know did all these like incredible events and things like that um, I just got to be nuts about Jesus and do whatever seemed like the next thing to do there were no boundaries whatsoever and at church I only got to do <laughs> Um, teach Sunday school. Yeah. To third grade ministry. Yeah. yeah, To teach Sunday school and Bible school. That Mm -hmm. was it. That was the only thing that I could
0: do. Because you're a woman. And
1: I don't sing. So I can't go be on the worship team. So that was it. Um, and so obviously. I've heard you sing. You got a nice voice. Yeah. But I'm not like a musician, Okay, you know, (laughs) so like the, uh, there was like this thing that I wouldn't have necessarily looked at from outside of it yet as a young college student, but there was this difference where I was like a natural leader, very powerfully like evangelistic, absolutely loved everything related to combining ministry into life, no boundaries. And then church was like, you can do just this. So at the time I didn't think about it much cause I was so happy doing all these other things. But as I exited college, um, I was no longer a part of university, so no more college ministry and I'm only involved in church ministry. And that's when it hit me that I'm really not, I'm not into what the church is offering me as an option, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as far as leadership goes. Yeah. And, stuff. and so I was, I was like, well, I, I'm very good at kids ministry, not because I'm particularly great with children, but because I just love Jesus and love people. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, you know, and I can be good with kids, but it's not like I love it. And I was like, well, I don't know. And what's interesting
0: is that you were, you've always been in Wesleyan churches Mm -hmm. since college, right? And Wesleyans, our denomination has historically been very at least on paper affirming uh-huh. of women in ministry in all levels of, of yeah. ministry.
1: And this was what the this was the late 90s early 2000s that mm-hmm. zone. And so at that time even though Wesleyans have always affirmed women in every level of leadership it was not in practice mm-hmm. evident. Right. And so there was a difference and in fact I did not even know at the time that it was an option for me to pursue really? pastoral ministry. That is not something I learned until well into my adulthood. Hmm probably several years later, um, did not even know it was an option. So you just can't be what you don't see. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I did not see that and neither did anyone else around me, but I did have, there was one moment in particular for me when I was, um, I had graduated from college. I was teaching Bible. It was VBS. I had a room of, The power of this strikes me now as I think about it because it's really hard to keep a room captivated like with children. Um, And I had a room of like 25 like third graders all like completely sucked into something that I was doing at the front of the room and we were talking about Jesus and him dying on the cross and all these things and it was kind of like his salvation message moment. And all these kids were just like so zeroed in and a ministry leader from the church was outside the door watching and as it all finished up and I left, they were like, you have such a gift for children. Yeah, <laughs> And in that moment, um, that staff member was trying to be very encouraging and they were, mm-hmm. but it just kind of demonstrates what I had as a preaching gift. Like I was it, would, good. It, would, it
0: never occurred to them that perhaps <laughs> no. it, it was even larger.
1: Yeah. That it had, that it had more of a scope than you're just good with kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it did not occur to them. And so that was meant to be an encouragement and it wasn't an encouragement, but I remember in that moment, looking back on it, something switched in my brain where I said, I am checking out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, I just, I love Jesus. I want to be a part of ministry, but not in the church. This is not what I'm going to do. So that was when I was probably like 21. So I was quite young still. But anyway, so... There's that. And then I just went on and did other things, many other things with life. And then, um, very long story short, asked me about it some time. I ended up working at a church after my fourth child went to kindergarten. He was our youngest at the time. And how did I get hired at the ransom? It was like...
0: You were gonna be an (laughs) an administrative assistant assistant for the Spiritual Formation Department, right?
1: Yeah, so Mm -hmm. what happened was I just, my husband Jim and I helped plant The Ransom in 2009, and we had always been there, and in 2013 when my youngest went to kindergarten, basically The Ransom called me and said, we just need more help, do you just wanna come work with us? Because Mm -hmm. I was friends with everyone on staff and everyone knew me really well, and so it was just an easy hire. I guess, you know, Megan's organized.
0: Yeah. Well, right? and, and we knew that you have a facility <laughs> with words that you're, you keep your stuff together and mm-hmm. you're intelligent. You know, mm-hmm. we, we knew that you had a lot of gifts.
1: Mm-hmm. I had a lot of gifts and everybody knew me really well. So it was just an easy, and plus you're our friend. So easy thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, much more to it than that. Uh, so I just started working at the ransom and we just, you know, found me some things to do. And then I got more and more into it and then um yeah uh, many things happened and in the midst of that within a year i had to like kind of have a reckoning moment where i realized no i've always known that i'm i'm meant to do more in the church than only these things editing emails yes <laughs>
0: running a database Mm
1: uh and and, i mean there's so many caveats we could put in this conversation like for example that really matters
0: that (laughs) yeah and 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 children's ministry like yeah jesus affirms children's ministry and says that unless you're like a child you cannot enter the kingdom like you cannot and so the languages of, of like beyond or greater than or ele- you know higher than like that you can't apply those, those things those aren't
1: about those things they're right. about pursuing the thing that god is calling you to do right and, and that the church yeah. for so
0: long has locked the doors to all but one or two rooms mm-hmm. in the in the church for women mm-hmm. um and, and the other caveat to mention is that there are lots of Christians, if not most Christians, who would say that, no, a woman should not preach, a woman should not be a senior pastor, a woman should not lead men, those sorts of things. Um, and we recognize that that's the case. And we we disagree fundamentally on the biblical data. And we don't have to, we're not going to get into that today. That's a whole other conversation. But it's not because we want to ignore the scripture. It's mm-hmm. because we believe that we are living out the scripture in mm-hmm. a fuller, in a better, in a in a, I don't know, more profound mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. than, than the other view. Yeah. And We're not
1: back and forth about that.
0: Right. I, yeah. I sympathize with those who would see it the other way and I understand why they see it that way. But, um, we have, I think a pretty strong biblical case as to why it's not the case. Mm-hmm. That, that and so not that's be a really good preachers. point
1: because it just helps illustrate that it's not about saying children's ministry or administrative work are not incredibly important. But what it is saying is when God is calling you to do something and when God has gifted you for something in particular, there's nothing better than to be able to pursue that thing without boundaries put up that stop you from ever even understanding what your gifts are. So Mm -hmm. like Phil and I know people who truly are operating at their best capacity when they are like organizationally running things. Mm-hmm. Like we watch them just fly. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and I know people, for instance, Phil's with Natalie who are so gifted for working with children that like this is their fly zone. Like this is where they just go. Like they mm-hmm. just take off. They just absolutely are gifted for it. They absolutely love it. And they have a particular anointing on, on their life for that. That's really powerful. And so it's not about those things being bad, but, The church has traditionally only had a few places that women can be, um, without any barriers to them getting there. And Mm -hmm. so that means women who are gifted for all kinds of other things often don't ever get a chance to even figure that out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get to seminary. Mm -hmm. So anyway, within about a year of starting church or working at the church in Sioux Falls, I definitely knew like I needed to just come to terms with this. Um, and there were many, many, still roadblocks for me culturally and things like that to have to deal with. But I just kind of, I remember there was a day when I was sitting in my office at the ransom and and I was like, I know I need to go to seminary. (laughs) It was November, 2014. That's when it was. And I was like, I, it was about a year after I'd started there. I was like, I have to do this. And so I was like, I guess I'm just going to do it. So <laughs> I like started to research it, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I had a pretty good idea that I would end up going to Wesley Seminary. Um, and that is a shout in, out. Shout mm-hmm. out Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. Yep. Um <laughs> It's
0: my alma mater too.
1: Uh huh. And so I, I mean, I looked into it for a couple of days. It really wasn't very long because honestly, the, the process has been done at that point. Like I knew I needed to do it and I went home and I talked to Jim about it, which anytime that something comes out of my brain and I actually talk to Jim about it, that's when I kind of know it's really real because at that point, like we're going to have a conversation and decide what to do. And, um, so my husband, Jim, I remember sitting on the couch. I told him, I think I need to go to seminary. I think I need to get ordained. And he said, of course you do. And then he said, you're going to do that and a whole lot more. And um, I was like, well, shoot, he's totally cool with this, so <laughs> there's nothing stopping me there. And then I remember the next day I went and talked to you. At, I like went and found you and was like, okay, this is like my last stop. I'm gonna say this to Phil and see how he reacts.
0: And I was like, mm, I don't know. No, you weren't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, um, I went to Phil and I basically just said like, here, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think about this? Like, And I wasn't really asking him for permission. Do you think that I should go to seminary? It was more like this whole thing, like where, sh- like, if I go here, what's this gonna, you know, it's just kind of like my last, like do you have any final advice for me kind of thing. And I remember I said like, I kind of just walked in and I was like, I think I want to go to seminary. And I just kind of let you respond. And I think you just said, well, no, I remember, like, the first thing that came out of your mouth was, well, you're going to have to work harder and do better than everyone else. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember that. <laughs> Which is 100% true. Yeah.
0: like <laughs> A woman in seminary starts a few <laughs> pegs lower, right, yeah. in the minds of everyone else. Not because of her innate abilities, but because that's just kind of where society has placed a female seminarian. Mm-hmm. In order to demonstrate your proficiency, your capabilities, you have to go above and beyond, right. Mm-hmm. To a place where a dude who doesn't even know what day of the week it is. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's just cool.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that is 100% true. <laughs> so that,
0: And we should say like yeah. Wesley seminary is, is amazing with yep. the, In fact, the, uh, the vice president of Wesley seminary is a woman mm-hmm. now. And, um, I mean, I don't know, a lot of their faculty. is they, They've done a phenomenal job. Wesley in is very diverse. Many, many voices. I
1: will say, though, that there's a huge shift. Um, so I am, how old am I? 30, 38 almost. Um, am I 30?
0: <laughs> don't ask me. <laughs> what year is it anymore?
1: 2020, where are you? you know. um, so I'm almost 40. Um, there is a huge shift for me between um, when I was in college and what I saw in the ministry landscape as far as leadership goes and then what is happening today. Mm-hmm. And so for someone like me, um, and anyone my age can tell you this, that, um, even for denominations that have always affirmed women in every level of leadership, really there just was not a practice of this happening right. at all outside of like mainstream.
0: It, it occurs to me cause I think you're right. There's that shift. Obviously mm-hmm. I didn't feel or sense it as much as you have, but, um, there there's a giant, and and you've been in the wesleyan church that whole time yep. right you had this experience in college among wesleyan churches and then you, and then several years later you go to wesley seminary and and, and now the temperature is different the air is mm-hmm. a little different the atmosphere is different there's like a huge historical event in the middle of that time in the wesleyan church and the name of that event is Joanne Lyon. Mm-hmm. And Joanne Lyon is uh, a phenomenal woman. And she has, she served as the general superintendent of the Wesleyan Church, I don't know, for a number of years, uh, up until mm-hmm. f- a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but not only that, she's um, been an advisor to presidents. She started and founded World Hope International. Mm-hmm. She's you know, one of the most Google world- this woman. Oh, man. She's like, you know, Christianity Today, top 50 women, you know, <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. Like all sorts of really ap- impressive... Um, uh, accomplishments in her mm-hmm. life. And I, I think that she's probably done a lot to change the mentality in our denomination about this whole mm-hmm. thing, to open our eyes to really what the scripture mm-hmm. teaches and mm-hmm. to the possibilities and the ways that we've silenced half of the church effectively mm-hmm. when it mm-hmm. comes to the pulpit. At least. I
1: mean, one thing about Dr. Lyon is that she was a woman who just always did the next thing God was asking her to do. And no doubt that would have come with resistance at many points from many places for many reasons, not only because she's female. Um, but she is a woman who just drove into the heart of what God was calling her to partner with Him in, and did that again and again and again, and was supported by an amazing husband, um, and things like that. Uh, and so, um, she is just this brilliant example of what happens when you don't allow limitations to stop you from obeying God, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and navigating through that is. Very difficult, but she did it. And she's um, managed
0: to do it with a ferocity and a grace, yeah. you know, like a strength mm-hmm. and a gentleness mm-hmm. that yeah is and, amazing.
1: And her becoming general superintendent, that was something that it, it did in a very similar way what Obama did for the nation. Um, on one hand, there's this first reaction of everyone saying, "Look, progress, we are over this problem." Right. Um, but really what it was, was a big face slap to say, mm-hmm. we are not over this problem. We're just beginning to reckon with this problem. Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> And so, um, and so I think it did so much to just shake things loose for women in the Wesleyan church, but then also, um, it has, you know, effects that go far beyond ripple effects, far beyond the Wesleyan church. But it, it was this thing where I have seen so many people try to claim, look, we have, a female superintendent, you know, so um, we're great now. We're good. On we that. made it. We're good on that. Um, and women would disagree.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, there, okay. So there's there's a yeah.
0: revisionist history podcast. Um, where he, what's the guy's name? Oh man. The Are guy, you talking about Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah. So he had, okay, he had yes. one of his podcasts mm-hmm. is called Revisionist History. and yep. It's one of the first ones, but he talks about this phenomenon where now of course i can't remember the name of the phenomenon Mm -hmm. but it's where we
1: we'll pop it in social media notes yeah
0: Yeah. we we break a glass ceiling as a culture once Mm -hmm. and we think we're good Mm -hmm. and so we go back to our old patterns Mm -hmm. perhaps even in 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 greater numbers or to a greater degree Mm -hmm. the old patterns we return to them because we kind of let ourselves off the hook now Mm -hmm. like okay well we proved that we're cool Mm -hmm. with women in ministry i mean we had a female general superintendent what more do you want and
1: then it'll take 20 more years before we have another one and then you go
0: and and then (laughs) yeah and then you actually go backwards
1: yeah yeah which is what happened with obama you know a lot of people thought like okay we're finally here america is here today and it's not a moment of saying like we have reached equality it's a moment of saying we're finally reckoning with an issue this will shake things up and then yeah we can really start digging into the messy stuff that no one wants to deal with. And so that's really what that did. So I can say from personal experience that from the time that I was in college until now, as I'm helping um, young women who are, you know, um, in the midst of figuring out a ministry calling, um, going to seminary, all of that stuff, they have a completely different world. Because up until five years ago, if you had asked me to name how many female pastors that I personally know, I would have had to say zero.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the <That> number's <laughs> got to be pretty low.
1: <laughs> and now I couldn't, I'd have, I mean, I would have, I would run out of fingers. I would need to, you know, I could probably get up into the thirties easily. Um, that is how different things are now. So, and I'm one of them. So yeah. anyway, I knew I needed to go to seminary. Um, I knew I was not, so go back to this story, I did not go to Phil because I thought I need Phil to tell me I should do this. I just wanted his opinion because I respect it a lot, and he's already done the degree that I was thinking of getting. And so I went to Phil just to basically say like, "What do you think about all this for me?" Um, and so, uh, yeah, we talked about it. I think you were just like, "Yeah, you should do that." Mm-hmm. I don't think you thought I shouldn't. <laughs> right?
0: No, I didn't.
1: <laughs> um. So. And then I just kind of went ahead and applied and did all all of that with our denomination and then with Wesley, um, went through all of those things. I actually put off starting because I had it in my head that it would be very difficult um, and that it would be a lot of work. And so I thought I should probably wait to get this started until a different season of life. So I actually started in the summer of 2015. Um, And I really regret waiting now because... I loved it. It was actually a lot of work and it was difficult, like to fit into life and all of that stuff. Um, but was also so energizing, like the challenge was so energizing and it was exactly where I should be. So um, I regret waiting so long to start for that yeah. reason. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I hear you. We uh, we sometimes are slow to do the things that God calls us. but. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about planning a church. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But then again, I'm glad you waited to plan a church because... You could finish seminary? (laughs) I finished seminary before we started. But anyway, so I went to Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. It's a remarkable institution. Within three hours of being in the building, I knew it was exactly where I should be. Um, I was very locked into it right away. It has been... um, just an incredible place to grow. So I started in the summer of 2015. I finished last year, um, January 2019. Um, So it was like a three and a half year program altogether for me. Um, Really, really practical. And you really get out of it what you put into it. So um, mm-hmm. An incredible experience for and me. And you the can do it distance. Are amazing. Yep. Right. Most of it is online. All of it is now offered online. Yeah. Um, and that was pre-pandemic, um, and so this last year they started offering a program that's four years all online. So that's incredible if you don't want to be able to or don't want to deal with traveling and things like that. But Wesley was just an incredible institution. And it is, as we said, not only full of excellent professors and staff, but is also very diverse, diverse on every level. And that's incredible. Um, So uh, I couldn't recommend it highly enough if you're looking for a seminary that um, is – um, in the tradition of the Wesleyan Church, uh, Wesleyan Methodist tradition, anything in that lane, that, that is something that um, I, I don't think you're going to find any trouble with um, these professors and what they have to offer. So it's an incredible place. Um, a lot of great times there. Um, professors who are still people that I interact with. On a regular basis. So um, that has been a tremendous gift to me. So, cool. couldn't say enough about Wesley. That's great. I will say, um, as I'm talking, the one thing that I would want to say or I will regret not saying is that um, <clears throat> when any marginalized person um, navigates new waters, <laughs> Um, they're going to experience a lot of difficulty, a lot of resistance. Um, They're going to experience things that are um, frustrating, things that anger them, things that hurt them and cause them deep pain. Um, Any marginalized person in any place um, where they're doing a new thing, you know, that's just going to be when you're doing new, when you're in new territory, that's just going to come with it. Um, And it actually makes you a much stronger, um, much more resolved leader um, to have to go through those things. And and so there's that. Um, When it comes to women in ministry, we'll just kind of zero in on that, but this really does apply to any marginalized person. Um, When you hear a marginalized person tell a story from their real life, about something that they have experienced, Um, some way that they've perhaps experienced resistance or um, any kind of marginalization, any kind of discrimination. Um, Practice a posture of openness. Practice a posture of believing them. Um, Practice trusting that they may not be Um, necessarily able to tell everyone's side of the story, but they can tell their own side of the story and this is their own experience and trust them and believe them Mm -hmm. when they talk about it. Um, Very often, as a marginalized person, when you speak to um, painful situations in your life, uh, people are quick to put you on trial for it. They're quick to explain to you why that's not the whole story and why that's not really true or that didn't really happen. Um, uh, so if you are a woman and you have experienced discrimination in the church in particular, it's probably something that you never talk about at all because you don't want to rock a boat or you don't want to say anything negative about someone who you do respect who maybe disrespected you, but you don't mm-hmm. want to hurt their reputation. But also, um, you don't want to deal with being put on trial or judged or not believed. So you just say nothing Mm -hmm. and then progress doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's (laughs) what I think, I think a really good indication of what's going on in our hearts is to kind of, when you hear a story from a marginalized person about some sort of an aggression that they've, that they've endured, what's your knee jerk reaction? Even if you, don't act on it. Mm-hmm. Which direction does your heart go? Do you find yourself kind of creeping towards annoyance, towards justification? Are towards, they whining? Toward yeah, towards yeah. Uh, there must be more to the story than Victim that. Victim mentality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're going that direction, then it could very well be that you've got a pretty strong self-justification streak going mm-hmm. on. And look, I understand. I do it all the time in my own heart, and um, that's a that's a practice that I that I hope I'm getting better at. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so just I mean. All that to say, I, I have, as a woman, who is a pastor, experienced for those two descriptors of me, (laughs) being a woman, being a pastor, I have experienced countless, um, you know, annoyances, frustrations, um, needless, um, you know, uh, resistance to me doing things. It's simply just caught up in like cultural you know expectations things like that um i have so many stories i couldn't even begin to tell them all and i don't need to tell them all but i will say that i have experienced many 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 um moments of either frustration pain loss grief Um, and this stuff cuts really deep not all of it as as is as deeply painful or as deeply wrong as some of it has been but it all ends up just really kind of eating away at the most essential thing about me which is that I'm a child of God who's gifted and called um, that being female is something God loves about me that um, you know being gifted for these things is something God chose for me. But when the church in particular pushes against something that I was born to do, it cuts really mm-hmm. deep. Yeah. So anyway, if that's you too, you can feel free to talk to me about it.
0: <laughs> Any women out there thinking about seminary, if that's the case, reach out to Megan. Um, you know, she's obviously the probably the first person you should talk to, but uh, on a more practical level, I, I, I'm kind of a nerd about seminary, and so I've, I, I know what kind of options there are out there if you want to chat about that too. Yeah, so, he does. Yeah. That's,
1: that's very true. Is there anything else we should say to finish this up? Um, we ate our vegetables. We did. Now what?
0: Um, I have found a lot of joy in having Megan on staff as a pastor at Table Church. Um, and I don't think anybody who goes to Table Church could could remotely doubt her call to this, and so sometimes the best proof, so to speak, is to just see God's work in action. And I think that's what we have going on right here at Table Church in Megan, and in other women that are that are leading and ministering mm-hmm. among us.
1: That is super true. Mm-hmm. It's like a hotbed of awesome things happening here, mm-hmm. um, where is. women are not bound by anything, and mm-hmm. um it's proof. Oh, I hope so. Powerful, yeah,
0: yeah, down with the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine that I've been complicit in some of those those wounds that you've incurred over the t- over the years uh so we've talked about them too mm-hmm. uh, in fact, maybe we should tell the story um one time,
1: I don't know what you're gonna say I'm so.
0: talking about the time <laughs> <laughs> like one time I got an email from Megan yeah uh. <laughs> <and laughs> it was a long email. <laughs> Which um, I, I don't actually remember the content of the email. Phil
1: absolutely hates long emails, and I was mad at I him. I just remember the so length I remember of the email. Just being like, I'm not going to regard yeah. your hatred for this. I'm going to make you read every word.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was essentially you were pointing out, Phil, look at, look at, oh, sorry, listen, as a woman, here's some things that I would appreciate from you as a leader. <laughs> And um, Bill
1: and I were starting to work together more and more. Yeah, this was back in Sioux Falls. This was a couple years ago, two, three years ago. We have been friends for like 11 years or something at this point. Right, yeah, Yeah. but like, um, we didn't work together, we worked at the same church, but not together. Mm -hmm. So we started to work together in addition to being friends. Yeah, and then we had this conversation. So
0: I went through the whole range of emotions that night in response to that very long email, (laughs) I went through the whole gamut of them. (laughs) I really did. I'm happy to say that by the end of it, I think I ended up where I needed to. Was in a posture of openness, and um, and then and then we ended up you and me and another woman on staff that I led named Steph. We all went to lunch to talk about some things, and um, and I think it ended very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it, it must have. I mean, here we are. <laughs> but it, the the gist of it was just simply you had to. Um, sometimes I think you have to shout, you know, right. I think sometimes (laughs) women in the church kind of have to shout in order to get their point across when you shouldn't have to. Um, Um,
1: and when you do shout, what happens to you? You get reprimanded for mm -hmm. being bossy,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't reprimand you. (laughs) We went to lunch and, uh, the three of us sat there and I, I just, uh, I kind of, I listened and tried to figure out ways that I could improve my leadership and in the ways that I, um relate to the women in the in the church and stuff like that um but I mean, a lot of it had to do with i don 't know if you want if you remember well enough to say what some of the things were
1: i mean, I will say it wasn't necessarily um look i've definitely worked with a lot of people that have more like specifically <laughs> sexist issues that they aren't aware of having. Mm-hmm. For you, um, you were never really that way, but it's really more like just being- <laughs> Just
0: a little bit that way.
1: <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, but the, okay, I'm going to stop for just a second. Listen, okay, we want to keep this short, but then we keep thinking of things. And we're never going to talk about this on the podcast again. We're on a so. minute 34 and yeah, 40 okay, seconds. this isn't that bad. Listen. I was
0: going to go the other way. Whenever
1: but. whenever you want progress to happen, you have to feel confident that you are in an environment where everyone is free to fail, free to make mistakes, and just you have to have a general like comfort Responsibility in being uncomfortable constantly like you have to be okay with the fact that you're gonna screw up and do things that are Not the right thing and you're gonna have to learn So like for you and for me if we are working together and we're figuring out how to do all of this and deal with all this stuff I feel like you and I are really good at just embracing the fact that we're going to Disappoint each other or frustrate each other or Mm -hmm. do the wrong thing say the wrong thing The point is that it's an environment where we're free to Say what we need to say, and that goes miles. So, mm-hmm. build that kind of a culture where it's like, hey, we we want progress, and progress comes with a whole lot of mistakes, and you know, all these things. So we're gonna fumble every once in a while, and that's okay. So, um, basically, it didn't have to do with you being a jerk. <laughs> It was more like you not thinking about what you were doing. It was
0: aloofness. That was the
1: sure some of it. In particular, I think some of it had to be like, um, "Here's how to help. Here's how to set me up to win." Oh sure. (laughs) Yeah. You know, remembering that I never got opportunities to speak Mm -hmm. in front of people, and so if you want to throw me into an opportunity to do a staff training the morning of the training. Okay. Got it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Remember I don't ever mm-hmm. get a chance to speak in front of people and I, you do it several times a week, you know, right. like you're, you're up in front of people all the time and you have been for a decade mm-hmm. and you preach all the time. You teach all the time. You do all this. You're used to it. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of forgot. Megan never gets opportunities to speak in front of a group and it's also like you know, just because I'm a normal person, not everybody loves speaking in front of groups and you need a lot of practice with it to get more, you know, polished and comfortable with it. So Phil was accidentally not thinking about that and just kind of throwing me into things sometimes <laughs> where I didn't get a chance to prepare. Yeah. And you can't wing it very well when you're dealing with all of the stress of like, ah, Well, So
0: yeah, the, <laughs> I think the, the core thing here is is that um, when the cultural tide is against you as it is, mm-hmm. Um, you don't have the oboe room to, to no. screw up.
1: I can't come unprepared right. for you, a You can't like just that.
0: show up and wing it in a way that I could have, no. i I'm, I'm, I'm given the, I don't know, social capital or, you know, yeah. collateral, I don't know what the word would be to do that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if I get up there and just kind of bomb something, ah, Phil, just kind of yeah. out, out an off you day, whatever. You
1: already have that earned place. Yeah. Um. And I'm earning my place.
0: Right. And, and it, and the, the the mountain is a little steeper for you Mm -hmm. being that you're a Mm -hmm. woman. So,
1: yeah, I mean, just in everything that I do, um, typically the way that it works and you can read a lot of research about this is that men typically are seen with a lot of promise. People are like, give him a chance, like let him go. And if, and if it's not that great, people look at him and go, I can see who he will be someday. And they love him anyway. Mm -hmm. And with women, if you get thrown into something, there is research behind what I'm saying. And if you Mm -hmm. need me to point you to it, I can. But for women, culturally, what happens in our context is that uh, when a woman gets up there, you have to be fully prepared. you got to nail it. Yeah, you have mm-hmm. to nail it and then some. You it, have to exceed right. expectations. They're not going to be saying,
0: ooh, I see the potential there. Yeah, you have to earn Let's, let's develop her your respect. as a leader. Right.
1: Yeah, you have to earn it. And so you can't be thrown into – I mean, if you lead women – perhaps ask them about this, but like you don't want to be thrown into something where you didn't get a chance to do what you needed to do to be prepared on every level for it because you have to nail it plus some Mm -hmm. or people are going to go, ugh.
0: so I'm giving a presentation in an hour and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I'm going to (laughs) throw Megan a bone here. Megan, you want to join me on this? Come on.
1: I'm so woke. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to share my platform. So and I'm like, you jerk. Yeah. (laughs) And, of course, it's different now, right? Like, I could wing it now in a different right. way than mm-hmm. I could have before. I mean, we're winging this. Yes. W-
0: <laughs>
1: but, I mean, this is a, this yeah, is this a different time. A, yeah, it was. Okay,
0: so mm-hmm. that, that that was a chance for my eyes to get open to something. That, kind um, of that I I would have never in a million years thought of. Yeah. Because, for me, I mean, you walk in and be like, hey, Phil, you want to get up there and do this real quick? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'm ready mm-hmm. to roll, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but not everyone's that way. And, yeah. and it, that transcends even just the, the – you know, the female, male question, but it's perhaps more acutely felt among women.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's still like today, like, let's just face it. Like I have come to the point where I absolutely love preaching. Like I love it. I actually do really love it, which is a big moment for yeah. me. Right, Phil? Because like, I used to not to... like speaking at all. Yeah. I mean, like I definitely like had to just deal with all kinds of layers of, you know, stuff having Mm -hmm. to do with that so anyway but now I really love it I really look forward to it even though I know nobody prefers to see me (laughs) out there instead of you
0: (laughs) no come on (laughs)
1: But I mean, like nobody says that, but it's a felt thing where you're like, not only am I the second string, so like not only am I just like B team, right? Which is just the case. Wouldn't matter if I was a man or a woman, it wouldn't matter. B team preacher is always like, oh, it's not the A team preacher. (laughs) Um, So there's that. But then also I'm a woman. So I know that I'm dealing with people in the crowd who are just like, even if they don't want to be a little bit less. Nobody Table Church. Table Church is straight up awesome. Table Church is amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh They don't have that. Um, But, you know, like you have to deal with all this stuff. So psychologically, you're just constantly dealing with all of these forces on your own. Plus, sometimes it just comes straight out. I mean, we've had people on Facebook Mm -hmm. say that, you know, they wanted to watch your sermon for the week. And when you said I was preaching, they said, I'll catch it next week. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this happens. Yeah. It's... (laughs) sometimes the implicit becomes it explicit
0: it does yeah and there so. and there's a there's a there's a whole ball of wax there you know certainly a significant part of it is the the male female thing and then you know even when i was like the number 2 preacher at a church uh-huh. like people didn't want to hear my voice right yeah. it's just you're used to hearing what you what come there to hearing. hear and yeah. yeah
1: so anyway it's so and i say that the point of me bringing that up was to say the issue doesn't matter if you're male or female. There's just a lot there, but when you're a woman, it has extra layers to it right. that it doesn't have for a man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and we can see that. All right, what do you think? We wrap this up.
1: We should wrap this up. Okay,
0: hey, if you're a, if you're a, a woman and you have just had thoughts about seminary or ministry and you want to explore that, uh, we love that conversation. Mm-hmm. Reach you out to us. We
1: actually have it a lot. And can I just shout out? Table church is full of so many amazing women who are just like all out. Mm -hmm. They're amazing. And I've had more than one woman come to me and say they've always thought about seminary, but never felt permission to say it. And then seeing me like did something for them to to talk about actually two, two women in the last like three months have come to me and said, I've never told anyone this, Mm -hmm. but you know, and that's huge. It's It's awesome. And I have to just say, because yeah, we've said all these things, table church, You all are amazing. Like, this Mm. is an incredible environment. It's by no means, you know.
0: Yeah, you you all have been nothing but awesome to us. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, Cool like seriously there's like a little revival going on in the discipleship pathway among (laughs) the women of table church I mean there's (laughs) crazy stuff disciples that are making disciples that are making disciples that are making Uh disciples like it's crazy
1: women that I don't even know will email me because they're being discipled by one of the table church women who's just out and about discipling all these women who are not from table church and those women will email me just to be like I love the pathway so much (laughs) and I'm so excited about it and they're so on fire for doing it and it's it's because it's amazing to be partnered. With Jesus in the best of life, and also it's a huge opportunity for women to just be told, "Hey, go crazy."
0: It's called fulfilling the Great Commission. It's a little thing amazing. Jesus told us to do. Yep. um So men, we got to step up.
1: <laughs> it's, it, it is true. We're getting smoked here. It is true. Like, the men are getting smoked by the women. As, as
0: far as discipleship pathway goes, it's not yep. looking good. Yep. Ladies, <laughs> praise the Lord.
1: Far ahead. Um, Final final thing, let's just wrap up. Hey, I'm gonna share our uh pizza recipe. Oh. On social media. This Your week. pizza recipe. Yes. Don't
0: confuse that as though Megan and I have a pizza recipe. No, we don't. My wife makes this pizza recipe.
1: Yeah. I had like three people ask me for it last week and I thought I should share that on social media and then I'm going to do that, but just to let you guys I know I make frozen pizza. Yeah. But this pizza is really good. I started making it like six years ago or something like that. And I really like, I simplified and clarified the recipe down to an exact science. I don't use a recipe for this anymore, but there is one. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people ask me for the recipe, I have to ask someone else who I've written it out for in the past.
0: <laughs> so are you going <laughs> to post it or what? I'm going to post okay. it. Yeah. Along but, with this.
1: Yeah. So anyway, to wrap up. Cause Friday. it's Friday, it's pizza extra. night, y'all. Yeah. Well, today's Friday.
0: Yeah. It's, oh wait, right. we're not posting this till tomorrow. Actually, I
1: think I'll probably post it today.
0: Sweet. It's pizza it's, night.
1: Because it's pizza night. It's kind of a. It's, it's pizza night for us. It's probably yeah, pizza night for you. For us real. too. Yeah. This pizza is good, right? What would you have to say about it? I mean, it's I would just say the it's best amazing. simple yeah. pizza recipe. It's the only thing you're ever gonna need.
0: It only. I mean, you make it, but then you only put it in the oven for like six minutes. Yeah,
1: it's very quick.
0: Yeah, it's great, and it's then so you put the oil on the crust like that.
1: Yeah, I know it's so good. Oh. It's delicious. Get about it. Yeah. So anyway, it's, I gotta say, I'm not gonna (laughs) like, you know, brag on this, but I am. It's a pretty big deal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Make some pizza. Mm? Go to seminary. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye.